Welcome to the Ministry Podcast. It is such a privilege that you would tune in. All of my content is designed to bring hope to the dreamers and doers that Jesus offers us a better way to life and Jesus offers us a better way to lead. I hope you enjoy today's episode. It's a privilege uh, to be here. I want to say a huge thank you to our mother church, Heartcry Church, for hosting us. And so uh, we're so grateful. Um, I have a lot of church planning buddies. They just can't meet. They, there's no other option for them. And so for some of them, they can't even meet until August. And so we're grateful for this opportunity. The good news is Harkins Theaters called me on Friday and said uh, July 3rd, they will open up for movies. And then July 5th, uh, we will be able to gather there on Sunday. So that's good news for you. Uh, reserve your seats for the Friday night if you guys want to go watch a movie. I know I miss it. And then Sunday. They said, of course, this could change if, you know, I was like, I get that. But it's probably going to be July 5th. So I thought that would be really good news for us. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be continuing here. Actually, this is the end of Ephesians. Um, and so this is actually the part that a lot of people uh, just read quickly and you think that we're done. Um, but I'm so grateful that we're just going to sit here tonight. I think this is the perfect word for us as a faith community in, in, in the moment that we're in. Verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me, this is Paul talking, so that you may be informed. I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are, and look, and to encourage your hearts. I love that. This is a sermon within a sermon. Here, Paul knows that this letter is going to be so encouraging, not only to this church, but churches even thousands of years later. But he knows there's something. There's something about sending a person and to be in a bodily presence and to encourage each other in the moment. I think we agree we, we recognize the need of that more than ever. Verse 23, this is what we're going to be zeroing in on. It says, Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. The title of today's message is The Immunity Community. The Immunity Community. Arising from biblical convictions of Frederick von Bottelschwing, if you just say it with confidence, it's the real thing, created what's called the Bethel Foundation in 1867. Uh, the fun fact, it's actually still in existence today. It's actually a, um, a place for uh, the mentally and physically disabled in the heart of Germany. And so I actually learned about this place. I've been reading a Dietrich Bonhoeffer biography. Anybody heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? It's fantastic. He's a pastor theologian who, um, okay, this might, maybe you'll get more hands. Anybody seen the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise? Shout out to them. Okay, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer helped in the plan for Valkyrie to try to assassinate Hitler because from his Christian conviction, um, we, it's worth killing this one evil man to save millions of others. And sadly, though, many Christians, especially German Christians in this era, uh, ignored the Nazi uh, regime. In fact, uh, tried to justify it in the name of nationalism, and we're so grateful for voices like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So it's been a really fun biography to read, but what's interesting, I think it was in chapter 12, he talks about his visit to this place called the Bethel Foundation. And it was his visit in 1933, which if you know your history, this is when the Nazi regime actually began to take power. And, and it would, many believe it was this visit to this Bethel Foundation that gave Dietrich Bonhoeffer this belief that the Nazis can be defeated 
that the Christians can rise above this. Here's a really cool quote Eric uh, Metaxas wrote about. It should be on the screen. It says this. It says, by the time of Bonhoeffer's visit, it was a whole town with schools, churches, farms, factories, shops, and housing for nurses. At the center were numerous hospital and care facilities, including orphanages. Here, Bonhoeffer had never seen anything like it. It was the antithesis of the Nazi worldview that exalted power and strength. This is my favorite line. It was the gospel made visible, a fairy tale landscape of grace where the weak and helpless were cared for in a palpably Christian atmosphere. Can you imagine? In the one of the worst countries to be in in the world at that time, in Germany, the fiercest country on the planet, this community was ruled by a different king. One can argue this community was an immunity community. In a world full of fear and hatred, this little spot was a place of refuge, of peace, love, and grace. And I believe Paul here, when he wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about peace, love with faith, and grace, he's talking to the church, the community, and I imagine he was believing that every church in every era would be, like the words here in that book, a fairy tale landscape of grace, a little immunity community. And so what I want us to ask, I want us to look at this passage today, is can we, as a Jesus community, provide a sort of immunity. Again, I'm not saying that we're going to offer a coronavirus immunity. What I'm saying, though, is there's a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of struggle. And what if we as a community both help each other and the community at large? And when you come in to our faith family, there is a sort of protection that we offer because of in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would bless this time together. God, I love seeing the faces. I love that I'm not just looking at a camera. God, you are good. And I pray that we would get a word from you today. And may we not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says? Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. It's the first time back together. I need to hear you. It's going to be good. Um, Another thing before we jump in as well is we have baptisms a week from today. And so you guys better be louder than that when we baptize. And we're so excited. I think we have uh, five, five or six getting baptized. So let us know if you'd like to get baptized as well. Just go to passioncreek.com. There's a little button that says get baptized. Okay, so we're at the book of Ephesians, and it makes my wife crazy because I don't know if you guys have noticed. We've been in the book of Ephesians for a while, but we actually haven't been going in order. Anybody notice that? Anybody kind of, yeah. So this is what's been happening for us. We decided... I, I've done this ever since we started the church. I'm so dumb. We started with 2 Corinthians, and then we preached 1 Corinthians. It's, I don't know why. It's just what we did. And now what we've done is we started with Ephesians 4 and went to 6, and this summer we'll be in Ephesians 1 through 3. So I just like reading from right to left, apparently. And so we're ending here in, in uh, chapter 6, and then we're going to go back to verse uh, chapter 1 uh, in the coming weeks. Here's the best way to summarize it. A lot of people uh, split up Ephesians 1 through 3 and 4 through 6, and and there's really these two main ideas going together. This is on your notes. A great way to summarize Ephesians is the local church is the embodied and embedded presence of Jesus. The local church is the embodied and embedded presence of Jesus. What do I mean by embodied? Ephesians 1 through 3 talks a lot about identity. Actually, the, the collection of talks is going to be called a newmanity. And it's all about who we are in Christ. But in reality is, we are the embodiment of Christ. 
The, what makes our faith so captivating. No other faith has God come down into the flesh, but our Jesus is the God-man. Amen? And the incarnation. It's what we celebrate in Christmas. And what we often forget, by the way, just a few days ago was the Ascension. Happy Ascension Day, where Jesus, after his time, you know, Easter, all this stuff, then he ascended. And now we believe he's still in bodily form uh, on the throne with God. But now, when Paul begins to write to the church, he calls you and I what? The body of Christ. Now, for years I read that and just thought it was really cool imagery, but I think it actually means we are the physical embodiment of the presence of Jesus. And so I got one amen, it's my dad, so I'm so excited. <laughs> Jordan, pick it up, all right? And so um, it's so weird preaching down in the theater. I have to look up at you guys. I'm getting kind of used to this already. All right, so, but we are the embodied people. Here's what this means. It means we are a gathered people. I hope you've noticed the last 10 weeks, there's been something missing, right? There's been something where it's just, there's something about saying hi to each other and loving each other and being around each other. And we are the embodiments of Christ. And so I love that our faith is a physical faith. And with that brings so much identity. We are an embodied people. But another thing, really four through six, not only are we embodied, we are the embedded presence of Jesus. Another way uh, some people put it, um, on Sundays we're gathered, and then throughout the week we are scattered. And so that's what we are called to do. In Ephesians 4 through 6, Paul begins to show, here's what families look like, right? Here's how you're supposed to work. Here's how you represent Christ. Here's how the marriage is a picture so that when you live in society, we're not called to do a little bubble and get away from everybody. But when we embed ourselves in the community, they begin to ask questions, what is the hope that you have? Like little fairy tale landscapes of grace in the middle of hell on earth. And so when I say that we are an immunity community, I'm not saying that we are immune from any sense of suffering. That is not the case at all. But I think 2 Corinthians 4 puts it best. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Amen? I kind of missed you. I'm just kidding. Come on. Talk. Okay, so according to this passage... How are we an immunity community? How are we embodied and embedded? How are we able to be that fairy tale landscape of grace that I think the world is looking for more than ever? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at point number one. In Christ, the church has a peace that passes understanding. In Christ, the church has a peace that passes understanding. Notice how I said the church, and I really believe the embodied church and also the embedded church. We need both of those all the time. Look again, it says uh, in, in um, oop, I'm, I skipped over. Okay, in, in Ephesians 6, verse 23, it says, Peace to the brothers and sisters. There's two reasons that we actually, when we read the text and we read peace, uh, there's two ways that we have a misinterpretation of what peace is. It's not really in accordance with the scriptures, the way that we were raised, what peace is. Uh, number one, we define peace as the absence of conflict. A lot of people just say, oh, it's peaceful times because there was no conflict. Now, certainly in the biblical text, peace does mean lack of conflict, but also additionally, it means overall well-being. So it's not just the negative is not there, but there is very much a positive. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper. Prosper. What is he talking about there? He's not just saying for your own soul. It is this holistic, 
overall flourishing, your job is going well, your marriages, your education around the schools, everything is going great. That's why we root uh, for Queen Creek and looking to do as much as we can for the city. Another thing though, not only do we misdefine it as an absence of conflict, it's much more than that, we also define peace as a personal project. We tend to think, oh, as long as I'm peaceful and it's this inner thing that it's really hard to describe. Is that a part of it? Absolutely. And it's been so encouraging uh, to hear uh, from you guys, those of you who have been participating in the rule of life, doing those three daily practices and those three weekly practices. And the number one thing I've been hearing from all of you guys is just in the world of chaos, I just have this sense of peace right now. I think that's so good. That's what happens when we're in the presence of Jesus. Uh, but peace was always communal in nature. Ephesians is communal in nature. Anytime you read in Ephesians, it says you, read it as y'all, okay? So how, let y'all come, peace to, peace to y'all. It's all of us together. So what is Paul imagining for us? A simplified way is peace with God, right? Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we're made alive together with Christ, right? So we have peace with him. We go to heaven for eternity, but not only peace with God, we have peace with man. We're able to restore relationships. We're able to make marriages work in the covenant. We're, we fight things out. We, we make it work. We love our neighbor as ourselves, all these things. I think that's a great overview, just peace with God, peace with man. But I, I think for us, it's a bit too simplistic because we just stop there, don't think it through. So I saw um, this last week, Barna, Barna Research is really helpful, a Christian resource that kind of talks about what society is feeling and doing and thinking right now. And with the 2020 rolling, which, <laughs> what a year, huh? All right, 2020, uh, he talked, uh, this research pointed out the five components to human flourishing. That they even included Harvard in this research. Uh, so here's the five. Number one is relationships. It's one reason why we're gathering as a people. There's something about us being friends, okay? Number two is spiritual health. And that's, I think, one of our chief objective jobs here at church, obviously. But I actually think it's all five. And a church who is healthy is, is at least aiming to do all five. Uh, with that, here's my little announcement. Um, we are doing the Apprentice Workshop and the Workplace Workshop. So the Apprentice Workshop is something that we do uh, every summer now. It's going to be four sessions this time. We'd love for you guys to sign up at PassionCreek.com. It's going to be on Tuesday nights uh, from 6.30 to 8. If you are somebody who's looking to join our church, uh, become a, like a family member of ours, uh, we will. this is the material we would go through, so we advise you just to come. If you guys went to the Apprentice Workshop last year, we actually... Um, the schedule didn't work out for a lot of people. Who went to the Apprentice Workshop last year? Raise your hand. Fantastic. I'm going to see the rest of you on Tuesday night. All right. So Tuesday night starting in June. Um, every other Tuesday night, one of them is going to be the Apprentice Workshop. And here's the good news. I'm not making you read five books. Don't clap. But I'm not making you read a bunch of books this time. I'm hoping that makes more of you come. Okay. I'm going to be suggesting books, but not requiring. We're actually just going to read, have you read the Bible. You guys heard of it? All right, so we're going to be doing that. It's going to be really good. I'm very excited. Again, if you went to the one last year, it's going to be a little bit new material, but also kind of old. But we all need the reminder, all right? So fiscal and material stability, we're looking at that as a church as well. How can we help teach our people? What does it look like to take care of our finances? Because look, it's not just a ploy to get money so we can get our own building. It is to help your life. So many marriages split because of what? material stability, money. So we want to help you with that. Number four is vocation and career. And that's why this summer we're looking to do a workplace workshop. Why are we doing all these things? We believe God has called us to bring peace to the brothers and sisters. And one of the main ways, a lot of you are not at peace with your vocation. You're not at peace with your workplace. And so we want to help you figure out, first of all, like what, what is work? What, what does God say about work? How can I find my calling? And we also want to help you. How do you share the gospel? How are you a leader 
in that context, all these things, okay? And then if you want to know more, just come to the workshop, passioncreek.com, all right? It's every other, so it'll be like June 7th is uh, The Apprentice, and then June 14th is The Workplace. I don't know if those are the right dates, but it's like that, okay? So it's all of June, all of July, Tuesday nights, right here, good? Five, wellness and behavioral health. So when I read this passage, it says, peace to the brothers and sisters, I think it's pointing to all five of those things. I think it's helpful for us to see that that is our marker. I love in even Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For Jesus is our peace. Ultimately, our peace is found in Him. That is why in Christ, the church has the peace that passes understanding. Every other religion has peace as a principle. We have peace as a person. That's a big deal. Peace embodied Himself. He is the Prince of Peace. And he's the Lord of Lords. And that is why we have the opportunity to embody peace to the community around us because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You guys still with me? I'm a little jealous, Dad. I went to your 9 o'clock and they were louder. Um, okay. In Christ, here's the next point. In Christ, the church has a love that never leaves. Look at verse um, 23. It says, Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith. In a lot of commentaries I read this week, um, they were actually, they kind of split this up into four sections. So they see, okay, peace, let's talk about peace. Okay, let's love, let's talk about love. Faith, let's talk about faith. And then, of course, grace, let's talk about grace. But the more I read it, it talks about love with faith, right? So it's not just love and then faith. So in other words, the faith actually qualifies the type of love. So faith, this word uh, pistis, is actually one way to describe it. A lot of us kind of only devote it as, as a mental ascent, like a belief. But faith, especially in this time, could very much also be translated as an allegiance to a king or an undying loyalty. Like you are absolutely committed no matter what. That's why like the NLT translates this love with faithfulness. Does that make sense? So not just faith, but faithfulness. It's this overall commitment. And so as an immunity community, we are able to protect each other because we know that we will love each other in a way that we will never leave or forsake. Why? Because we have a God who does that. Now, this is very hard to do in our culture. Again, with that Barner research, there's a couple things they talked about. And there's really two reasons I gather from that research why it's almost impossible for us as a community to naturally, of course this never happens naturally, it has to happen supernaturally. But even that, it's really tough to have a love that never leaves. Here's one reason in the barter research. The culture that we have today is built solely on weak relational ties. They call it weak ties. What is a weak tie? Uh, so, uh, Shay, are we doing the Graves in a Garden song today? Okay, so I've been telling everybody that I know the writer of that song. I don't. But, but it's a weak tie because I am super close with his dad. Okay, so like by osmosis, I'm like best friends with this guy, right? Brandon Lake, he wrote the song, a lot of songs that are really good lately. I know his dad and we're close, we text, okay? And so that means, of course, I know him. Like I know of him, we've talked about each other. I've never shook in his hand, but you know, we know each other, right? That's a weak tie. Any of you, uh, I've been um, riding my bike, I do that always, and then with this um, quarantine, everybody's like running around, it's kind of cool. And so now I feel like I know a bunch of these people, I don't know them, but I ride my bike past them. Uh, and so it's like this like week, like, yeah, we're buddies. I always scare you. Like, it's so weird. When I'm on a bike, they don't hear me till like last second. I don't know what to do. If you guys can tell me after service, I just, I, watch out. Like, I don't know. I don't want to scare them that way. So I had to go the silent route and just go, and they're always freaking out. And there's an old man. I'm scared. 
He's, uh, and so so um, it's very terrifying. But I'm great friends with these guys. It's a weak tie. There's actually stories of social media influencers. They have millions of followers, but they never, they, they passed away tragically, some of them, and they didn't have anybody to do their funeral. It's when our whole life is based off of weak ties. It's actually one of my theories. I think mega churches, once they reach a point, it just snowballs and the attendance gets more and more and more. Why? People like to go to a church and think, these are all my family, even though they don't actually know any of them. But, oh, but I, I'm loved. Which, again, I'm not knocking that. That's something they have to deal with. But I love about our family, like, we know each other, right? We, we care for each other. We check on each other. We have a love that never leaves. And I think that's really been evident during this quarantine. I love how we've been all kind of keeping up with each other. But that's not normal. Today, we live in a culture of just weak ties. Of we just kind of know each other because we follow each other on Twitter. The other thing is we lack the emotional health and commitment to sustain anything meaningful. This one hits deep. We lack the emotional health. We're going to talk about that in the workplace workshop. I'm done plugging. But we're going to talk about that and commitment. How many of us, right, um, there was a pastor talking about how every time they mention a new Bible study, they get so many signups, but about 25% ever show up. Because we love the idea of doing great things. But we actually, it wasn't trained in us. We're in a culture, we're so transient, we're so flip-floppy, Right? And so it's like, yeah, I will, oh, but I just don't feel like it today. And then when you miss one, you miss another. And it's a problem we have in culture at general. Another thing is emotional health. The moment somebody disagrees with you, you're done, right? You just run away and you're good. Guys, we are a church where we're supposed to strive for unity in all things, amen? And let me just say thank you. I've had so many pastors say that, like, they've been getting phone calls and voicemails just hating on them over this whole, their decisions that they're having with quarantine. This isn't an invite for you to do that later tonight, but um, you guys have been so great. I'm like, my church is awesome. I haven't heard a single thing. They've just been saying it behind my back, which I'm kind of cool with at this point, right? Because I've been able to sleep well at night. So anyways, the emotional health and the commitment, right? And so anytime there's disagreement, there's some of you in here I have offended. Remember Dave Parks? 13% of what I say, I didn't mean to say it. And you guys came back the next week. Praise God, right? And honestly, it's a beautiful thing. And some of you, you know, we've had some things and I've just said, you're right. I was completely wrong. Why? We have a love that never leaves. We work things out. And Paul, when he's saying love with faith, he's saying love each other. Be faithful to each other. Have a love that never leaves. Be loyal. Be my ride or die. Is that what the kids say these days? Right? You know, this commitment. This is what God has called us to do. And we're going to talk about that at the end, but it's actually not only the best thing for your friends, but it's the best thing for your own soul. And the situation we're in, churches in history, in some different parts of history, just naturally get commitment because culture trained it in them. We are at a cultural moment in our church. We have to train commitment ourselves because the culture, the schools, society will not teach it. So we have to start at ground one and teach each other what does commitment and emotional health look like in 2020? And it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm a guy. I see a phone call. I don't feel like talking. He'll leave a voicemail. I'll call him later. I'm telling you, I have a lot to grow in. Yeah, that's true. Just text me. All right, so we serve a God who never leaves. That's why we as the church have a love that never leaves. Here, Dane Ortland, he has this quote. I thought it was so good. It'll be on the screen. It says, Christ's heart is not drained by our coming to him. His heart is filled up all the more by our coming to him. How good is that? 
He's not like, you're bringing me your sin again. No, he wants you to. He wants to lavish his love on you. And imagine if we as a community, no, 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 don't, don't sweep your issues to the side. We want you to bring it because we want to love you the best way possible. This is who we are in Christ. Wouldn't this be amazing? A fairy tale landscape of grace in the middle of a world that desperately needs it. This is all possible in Christ. Again, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith. Again, I hope you see that this with faith part is talking about the allegiance. And again, we don't have this on our own part. It says here, from God the Father, he's a dad who will never leave you. And from the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus loved you so much he died for you and he daily intercedes for you today. Here's the last one. In Christ, the church has grace for every day that we face. In Christ, the church has grace for every day that we face. Again, grace, a lot of people like to describe it as God's unmerited favor. I think the problem, though, is a lot of times we only think of grace as, again, kind of salvific, like um, for the last day, like His grace is what saved me. But the beautiful thing is, friends, we need grace for each day. Amen? We need the grace to have the strength to pursue the day, especially right now. Um, I've been, I tell you guys about it all the time, but with my spiritual director, um, we've been doing these Ignatius exercises. In fact, we're taking a break because I'm kind of tired of it because it's like you have to sit for an hour in silence. I'm like, I'm done with that. All right, let's try something else. But it's been really good for my soul. I just need a break. Uh, but, but what's really unique about these Ignatius exercises is they, pray, they make you pray for a specific grace. And he told me, Trey, I know your upbringing, you're Southern Baptist, you only think grace is for the last day of life. But it actually is more than that. So let me teach you something. I'm like, okay, teach me, right? And so so there's specific graces. We actually saw it when we were in Ephesians 4, talking about how God graces each one of us a gift to serve the local church. So God gives each one of us unique graces. That God has given you a, a specific grace that God has not given me. Again, we'll talk about that in the workplace workshop. But here's some of the ones that um, in the Ignatius exercises I've been praying over my life, and these are considered graces. One of them is, Lord, help me feel and trust that you're eager to forgive me. That's a grace to, to, to feel and to try. I love that, to actually feel it too. We, have, we can feel, okay? That's okay that we can actually have that grace. Another one I've been praying um, a few weeks ago. It says, Lord, assure me of your care and your nearness. That's a grace to, to, to recognize when he's there for you, to recognize his presence in the moment. The last one that I've really loved, and maybe I encourage you to write this down and maybe pray this over your heart and ask for this grace this week. Lord, open my heart to trust your love. You know why a lot of us don't do that? Because we've never seen a love that never leaves. We've had so many people leave us in so many different ways. As a pastor, it's so tempting to not love cong the congregation, to love members, because there will be some of you who leave. And sometimes they leave in a bad way, and it makes my heart go, okay, God, if I'm not as friendly with them, then when they leave, I can make it a party instead of a sad lament. So maybe, you know, I'll keep distance. But God's like, no, open your heart to trust his love and to love each other. I love that he graces us with these different types of grace. I would encourage you, what kind of grace does God, do you need from God this week? What, another way to put it, what kind of gift do you need from him? And he's saying, as a people, said, grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with the whole church. We need it. I want you to write this down and I'm done, okay? 
says, you rob your soul of immunity when you deny your role in community. I think this is like the subtext here. This is something that's actually happening in this passage, and we kind of miss it, especially with our culture. We're so individualistic-minded, but he's saying he's writing this to the church. He's saying when you love each other, read Ephesians 4 to be, for a primer to remember. When we're serving each other, loving each other, offering peace, love, and grace to one another, we actually ourselves receive that sort of immunity. Again, it doesn't mean we won't experience suffering, but it's this weird thing where there's peace in the midst of suffering. There's hope in the midst of heartache. There's joy in the midst of the greatest storms. Now, can you have elements of peace and love and grace outside of the church? My question would be, why would you want to try? I really believe this is the greatest opportunity we have. And I, my biggest prayer is that this whole quarantine teaches us how much we need each other and teaches us how much we need to love each other. I missed you. And you do so much for my soul. We do so much for each other. And I'm grateful for the gift to gather together. I'm grateful for HeartCry to open their building so we can do this. But notice, you rob your soul of immunity when you deny your role in community. I did not say you rob your soul of amenities when you deny your role in community. In other words, you don't, it's so often we package church as like, this will just make everything, this is the cherry on top. I know it's you and God, but like, this is our one little thing. The more I read Ephesians, the more I'm convinced, friends, we need each other. This peace and love and grace is truly experienced when we gather together, when we worship together, when we're in community together, when we're on mission together with growth groups and all those things. I love it. It says, grace be with all. I know I need that grace. And I love that Paul's vision here is that the church, to Ephesus, but including our church, his vision was that we would be a fairy tale landscape of grace, where a Christian community, the body of Christ was palpable, and that we would become beacons of peace that pass understanding. We would become a community where our love never leaves, where we'd be a people where we're offering grace for every day that we face. Not because of us, but because of our lifeline, because we are the body of Christ. In Christ, we'll learn that in Ephesians 1 through 3, in Christ, all of these things are at our disposal. The question is, will we love each other? Will we care for each other, serve one another, get a little bit uncomfortable, and experience, give and receive this peace, love with faith, and grace? The Bethel Foundation is still in existence today. What's amazing is throughout World War II, I don't know if you know about Nazis, but they don't like people who are mentally and physically disabled, and they had it in the middle of Germany. And so Hitler would send his guys over and over and say, we need it. We need to do these mercy killings, is what they would call it to justify. We're going to do some mercy killings here. Let us through the door. And this man, this von Badelschwing, kept saying, nope. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. And the beautiful thing is they had such a powerful presence in that community, the Nazis couldn't just march through those doors. What if we had that? No matter, I know some of y'all are terrified what's going to come with the government and all that, but what if they can't mess with us because they cannot deny the peace, love, and grace that we offer? They did succeed one time. They had a bomber 
and they bombed the hospital. Again, for some context, there's about 1,600 patients at this time during World War II that they were taking care of, all because of their reading of Scripture and the uh, community of Jesus followers. And so what they did is they bombed the hospital. They wound up killing 11 patients. And so they tried to blame it on the Brits because, again, they couldn't deal with the backlash in the community. The beautiful thing, though, is they kept moving forward. They kept pressing on because I imagine maybe, just maybe, they were reading together, peace to the brothers and sisters, in love with faith. Friends, we're not going to leave you. I don't care what Hitler says. I don't care if bombers will keep coming. We are not leaving each other. And we're going to pull this off. You know how? Because grace will be with all of us because of our undying love for Christ. They never attacked him again. Years went by. They protected each other. Again, they lost 11 patients. But outside of that, the Nazis could not touch them. It was actually said that the leader had um, passed away just four months after the victory um, when, when, German, when, when Germany fell. Many think it was just because he finally was able to breathe and just stop the fight. And again, he went home and saw those other 11 patients and the, the 1,600 rest that came after him. What if we were that? What if God is calling us in this moment to be an immunity community? May God give us that grace. Let's pray. Father God, I ask for your favor on our church. God, may we see the importance of this historical moment. God, I pray that, like I said at the end, may we not see this as an amenities thing. In other words, this is just a cherry on top. This is just something I need occasionally. God, I pray that these last 10 weeks have taught us we need a people to love and we need a people who loves us. And we know that's possible because the God-man came and loved and died for us and resurrected. And the hope that we have is actually beyond the grave. Death itself does not scare us because we have life after death. So God, I just pray that right now we'd have a moment with you. Say, God, I know I've been selfish in my view towards the church, or maybe not, but God, in this coming season, may I receive from this body of Christ, this embodied and embedded presence of Jesus here in this room, may I receive and give the peace that only you can offer. May I receive and give the love that will always be loyal. May I receive and give grace for every day that we face. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody says, amen. <laughs>